search to find the love within that the super junior podcast is back on i know i can't sing i'm sorry about that guys but i have to like get in my little singing bag for a little bit welcome back to super junior podcast i'm your host wade green this is episode five of the super junior podcast i know it's been a long while we're back i'm sorry for the wait guys but i had school you know that's important i gotta get my keep my grades up if i want to graduate in the fall it's neither here nor there. We got to get back to the topics. I hope you guys had a great Christmas and a great New Year's. I had a great time over the holidays. I spent it down in Atlanta with my family. It was great seeing them. A little rejuvenation, you know, being around family and stuff. Always great times. But we have a lot of topics to talk about right now as well, like basketball. Paul George and James Harden both playing outside their minds. We're going to get into Anthony Davis, what I think about him, um, the Lakers, the my Knicks. We're also going to get into the NFL. It was wild card weekend last weekend. Now, this weekend is a divisional round, so I'm going to give you my predictions for those games. Then we also have the Super Bowl, so I want to give you my prediction for that before that comes around. I know it's cheating because I already saw the first round of playoffs. Who cares? Antonio Brown, also that drama with him and the Steelers. I want to give my opinion on that. And we're also going to talk about some of the coaches that were hired by the NFL teams over this past week. My Jets also fired their coach, which I'm kind of upset about, but... We'll get over it. College football championship game. Alabama gets destroyed by Clemson. I'm going to give you my thoughts on that because, oh, Lord have mercy. Oh, Lord, man. Clemson destroyed Alabama. But we was going to get some to some news outside of the sports world going on with R. Kelly, Surviving R. Kelly, that documentary series. Then we also have news with Trump. And other news I found out over the break, like Wendy Williams, all her drama. I don't know why I'm talking about that, but. My mom is a fan of Wendy Williams, so I used to watch her show a little bit. Don't judge me. And then we're also going to talk about Dreamville and their new upcoming album that they have, Revenge of the Dreamers 3. Let's get started. We're going to get things started with Paul George. Paul George is playing like an MVP right now. And the season ended right now. I know a lot of people are going to vote for James Harden, but I'm voting for Paul George. He does it on both ends of the court. He does it defensively and he does it offensively. And this year, his offensive consistency has gotten way better than it was last year. He was erratic last year. He would have 31 games, then have 13 the Nets. And I think that was because that was his first year with Oklahoma City. This year, he looks very comfortable. And I'm comfortable giving him the league MVP this year if he keeps it up. If he keeps the Oklahoma City Thunder in the third seed or higher, Paul George deserves the league MVP. And people need to stop fronting on Paul George like that. And the main reason why Paul George deserves MVP honors is the way Russell Westbrook is playing right now. Because I really believe... I don't think you're applying yourself, Smokey. Russell Westbrook, you are not applying yourself, man. Because if you were, you would play way better than this right now. I understand he wants to overcompensate with the rebounds and the assists and getting the triple doubles. His defense is superb this year. Like, I'm proud he made the jump on the defense, man, because I always thought he could be a lockdown defender. He's leading the league in steals. But his offense, Lord have mercy, is too erratic. Three for 20-some games, two for 19. Like, come on. I know Russ always does that every once in a while, but, like, it's coming way more frequently than it's used to. He needs to be more consistent on the offensive end. And he needs to stop taking these three-point shots. He's shooting 24% from the three-point line this year. Like, he needs to chill the fuck out. At what point do you realize, like, hey, I shouldn't take these shots anymore? And I understand. Russ has this. I don't give a fuck. 
He has that mentality. He has that I don't give a fuck mentality. I'm gonna keep shooting this shot. But at some point, you gotta give a fuck, Russ. Please give a fuck for your fans, please. Because I know you're better than this. And I have to listen to people like Colin Cowherd just basically bash you all day. And I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna listen to that. I wanna be, you gotta give him a reason not to bash you. And you give him every reason to do it. Play right. Like get in the post. If you know your three point shot's not working, get in the post. Work on your pull up mid range jumper. Work on your mid range shot. If you have a deadly mid-range shot, Russ, you are automatically one of the best players in the league. Forget the three-point shot. Yes, it's better to have that one more extra point. But if you're knocking down twos, only making 24% of your three-point shots, so the, the rest is 75%, 75% of the time, you're going to miss it. 75% of the time. Come on, man. Russ, 75% of the time, you missing three-point shots. Come on. I need you to do way better than that, Russ. And I know you're way better playing than this. And I know, like, you may be hurt because you had a couple injuries this year. And you're, like, fighting through it. I understand that. But if you hurt, take some time off then. Take some time off and rebuild your jump shot. Because there's no reason why you, as a starting point guard in this league, you shooting free throws like Lonzo Ball. Stop shooting free throws like Lonzo Ball, man. 62% from the free throw line, too. That shows me that your jump shot is not working. It's broken. I don't understand why. Like this past game, I just saw you against the Wolves, Timberwolves, you were making a jump shot. But you had to do that more on a consistent basis. And that's all I want to see from Russell Westbrook. <sighs> but like I said, Paul George, if you had to deal with Russell Westbrook's inconsistent ass all year, you deserve the MVP this year. Especially if you keep that team in the top three in the West. Another person who's been balling out of his mind lately is James Harden. James Harden's definitely been cooking. Since December 5th, he's leading the league in scoring, averaging over 40 points a game. Also, the last he's led his team back into the playoff picture. They were outside of the playoffs, now they're the fifth seed in the West. He's playing out of his mind. But do you guys really believe that James Harden is going to do the same thing in the playoffs? Uh, yeah. No, you don't. And if you do, you're lying. I know you're lying because James Harden never performs like this in the playoffs. This is what I'm waiting to see. Like, I understand Chris Paul's out, and that's another person you shouldn't have gave money to, Chris Paul. Chris Paul don't do nothing, man. He's, I'm sorry to say, he's CP0. Skip Bills used to say this, and I used to feel bad for Chris Paul, but he is CP0. He's done nothing in the playoffs. That one year against the Rockets, he choked that lead away and gave up that series when he should have went to the finals with the Clippers. Last year, he got hurt in the big moments of the series. Come on now. He's always getting hurt, and it's always that little caveat. Oh, he got hurt. That's the reason why he couldn't make it to the finals. Oh, his team wasn't good enough. He's only six feet. Like, come on now. Chris Paul's just not that guy. He's just not that guy. And that's the same thing you could say for James Harden. He just isn't that guy. And I get it. What he's doing right now, it's amazing. 40 points almost every damn game, getting 50-point triple doubles. But we never see this in the playoffs, ever. We've never seen James Harden show up on a big stage in the playoffs. That's what I want to see. I want to see him come through in the big moments. Like his man, this man has his jersey retired in a strip club. Like he's gonna get his jersey retired in the NBA because it seems like you don't have to do anything to be a Hall of Famer in the NBA. I think the Hall of Fame in the NFL is way tougher than the one in the NBA. But I digress. He's gonna be an NBA Hall of Famer, but at the same time, he needs to play better in the playoffs. I want to see this James Harden in the playoffs. I want to have. I want to see a 15 game stretch of James Harden playing like this in the playoffs. I don't want to see it now because I already know the excuse that's coming. That he was. Oh, man, all that work he had to do early in the season, that put so much wear and tear on his body. Like, right now he can't do it in the playoffs. And then 
is going to be, oh, Chris Paul's getting older and older. Well, you shouldn't have gave him that money first place. You should have paid more money to Trevor Reese than he gave to Chris Paul. Chris Paul's old, man. Chris Paul's too goddamn old. I don't understand why people gave him that money. But I commend James Harden. He's playing outside of his mind. He's one of the best offensive players in the league right now. But I want to see this in the playoffs. That's what I want to see. Another person who puts up big numbers and doesn't seem to really matter to anything is Anthony Davis. His team sucks, by the way. Anthony Davis' team is terrible. Right now, they're 19-22. and 22. They're not terrible, but they're 12th in the West. And right now, like, if they want to get make it to the playoffs, they better pick things up. 19-22, 12th in the West. And then they're 18-18 and 18 when he's playing the game. So, they're only 500 when he's playing the game. And he's number one in PER. So, it gets me, like, he's averaging over 20 points, over, like, 25 points a game. He's always one of the league leaders in blocks, steals, assists for a big man. And then you also have rebounds. He's always league leaders. He's always putting up big numbers. But they never really translate to wins. Anthony Davis is starting to remind me of, I'm sorry to say, it's Kevin Love when he was with Minnesota. But at least in Minnesota, Kevin Love didn't have that much help in Minnesota. This man, Anthony Davis, he has help right now. But the Pelicans, I understand that what's his name, Nikola Meritic is hurt right now. So you can't really judge them. And also Alfred Payton's out. So it's hard for the team to get their rhythm. But you have Julius Randle. You have another, you have a great six man in Julius Randle, by the way. And then you also have Drew Holiday, who's a great on-ball defender. He's a two-way guard. Come on. And then you also have Etwan Moore. You have a bunch of little pieces that look good on the team. And around Anthony Davis, if Anthony Davis is playing like an MVP, he should be able to lead that team to the playoffs into a higher place than the 12th seed in the West right now. This is a team that just destroyed the Trailblazers last year in the playoffs. Like, they took it to them. And the Ant Davis I saw last year is the Ant Davis I would expect to see this year leading the team and actually being a difference maker in outcomes of games. There's no reason why he should be number one in PER and be 500 whenever he plays for the team. Come on. There's no reason. They have way too much talent this year to be playing this bad. They need to pick it up, and Anthony Davis needs to do the same thing. That's why if he goes and plays with LeBron, I would not be surprised because it'll be easier for him. It'll be easier on his body. It'll be easier because he'll have another co-star of an S2. I don't think Anthony Davis can be the alpha dog on the team on a championship winning team. He could be the uh, the Robin. He's never going to be the Batman on a championship team. So that's how I feel. And speaking of the Lakers, ugh. The Lakers, they're having a little struggles because LeBron's not playing. It's the first only reason I want to talk about because this is the first time LeBron has ever been hurt. I've ever seen LeBron hurt for multiple weeks. But I just think he's gonna he's just using this as a time to rest, heal his body, and go for the second half of the season to get his team in a good positioning. He better get out of that A slot because if Golden State gets that number one seed, they don't want to face Golden State in the first round because they're gonna get bounced. And I don't even think he cares. He's more focused on that. Outside, he's doing all this, producing his TV shows. He probably like, oh, give me more time. Instead of going always going to the finals in the Eastern Conference and then having to lose to the Golden State Warriors because his team is not good. Might as well lose to Golden State Warriors in the West because you know you could beat anyone in the East, except for Toronto and Boston. You're not beating those two teams. And that's, a, that's another reason why I think he left the Eastern Conference because he knew he wasn't going to get past Toronto with Kawhi Leonard on that team. And then also Philadelphia is a good team out there in the East, and you also have Boston, he wasn't going to get past those teams. Another team that's struggling as well is my New York Knicks. Knicks look terrible, man. I don't, like, I'm glad they look terrible, so that's why I'm not even going to be complaining. I'm glad they look terrible because 
with them being terrible, we're going to get a high pick this year. And if you get a high pick, I want that man, Zion Williamson. I really do. I know, I think they said, I always forget about this. I think people thought that um, the NFL rigged the lottery system when the Knicks got the number one pick and got Patrick Ewing. Not NFL, um, NBA. I really hope the NBA rigs the lottery system so we can get Zion Williamson. That man, look, that is a grown-ass man, man. I really want him on my team. Him, Chris Stops, and Kevin Knotts on the same team. And with these quotes that Walt Clyde Frazier, if we get Kevin Durant, because Walt Clyde Frazier, he made comments when the Knicks played the Golden State Warriors. He made some comments. He was saying basically that if Kevin Durant wants to be seen as a biggest star, he should come to the Knicks and win a title with them because he will be He'll go down as a legend, bring a title to New York City. I wholeheartedly agree with Walt Clyde Frazier. And I also agree with, with another statement he said. He said that he get, he puts an asterisk next to Kevin Durant's name because he went and joined the 73-9 and nine Warriors after he had them down 3-1 when he was with the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder. So, yeah, I agree with that as well because, as everyone knows, I thought that was a soft move. He could have went to the uh, – he could have went to any other team, but he went to a team that he had down 3-1. And I completely understand. And they didn't need him. Like they didn't need him. He took the easy road. So if he went to the Knicks and he won a title, people would respect him way more. Especially he'll be he'll definitely get the MVP, getting the Knicks to the playoffs and even to the finals. And then also he would get if he wins the finals MVP that same year, he's going down as a legend for doing that. So and I wouldn't mind him joining Kevin Durant, Kevin Knotts, Diane Williamson, and Kristaps. That lineup right there, just those four in a lineup is crazy. You could put anyone else next to them, and that would be a crazy-ass lineup. I'm looking forward to what the Knicks do. I'm glad they're losing. All I want to see is, like, these young guys. I want to see which young guys can, like, play around, can be, like, role players or could be more on a cha- on a championship team. I like Alonzo Trier here. He could be a, a key role player, or he could be an asset that you can trade later for bigger pieces. Well, I like what Fizdale's doing. He's making Emmanuel Mueway looks good. He could be a, little, a good asset to a team. Brandon Aquino, he's he's okay. There's a lot of little pieces that I see on the Knicks. They're playing well, and they can be used for pieces later on as trade or to be role players on a championship team. If they add people like Zion and you get back Kristaps, like I said, and you add Kevin Durant. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Knicks this year. Next year for the Knicks, not this year. I'm looking forward to, to them losing, though. Speaking of terrible New York teams, oh, Lord, my Jets. The Jets fired their head coach, Todd Bowles. I like Todd Bowles. He did a great job his first year with the Jets. But these last few years, it just didn't seem like the team was progressing in any way. We know he finally got his quarterback in Sam Darnold, but his defense, it didn't look like it got better. The team looked undisciplined. A lot of defensive penalties. There's penalties across the board through the whole team. Just a lot of undisciplined play. I'm happy that he got rid of Bowles. I mean, we get a fresh start. And right now, the Jets are looking at Adam Gase as their Nets head coach. I really don't want to see that because he really didn't do anything with the Dolphins. I didn't see Tannehill improve. A lot of people say it might have been Tannehill. He wasn't able to stay healthy. And Darnold is a better quarterback than Tannehill. So we'll see what Adam Gase, if he, we do hire Adam Gase, we'll see what he's able to do for the team. My choice would have been Mike McCarthy, but now since no one's want to hire him, he wants to sit out this season, basically, I guess, to learn what's going on right now in the NFL. Me personally, that would have been my first choice as a head coach. I wouldn't have chosen Adam Gase, but to each his own. And Todd Bowles also got another job. He's joining Bruce Arians down in Tampa. 
I think that's a great position for him to be the defensive coordinator down there. Because Tampa's defense, it was terrible this year, but they have some good pieces like Gerald McCoy. That's the only one I really know. I know they have a couple linebackers that are really good. I know Gerald McCoy is really good on that line. I think Todd Bowles will be able to show that he's still a good defensive coordinator and he does know how to coach defense because like his defense was shaky with the Jets. And I was really surprised by that. I thought at least that would have held tight. Even though the offense wasn't that great with the Jets this year, I looked the defense was like pick it up because they have peace on that defensive end of the football. So other coaches that were hired this past week, like I said, Bruce Arians, I think that was a great hire for the Tempe Buccaneers. Bruce Arians will do wonders with James Winston. He's worked with people like Peyton Manning, also Ben Roethlisberger, and Carson Palmer. We saw what he did with Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona. I think Bruce Arians is a great coach. Even that one year with Andrew Luck when um, Chuck Pagano was sick with cancer, he did a great job with Andrew Luck as well. So James Winston, he has a good coordinator. So now it's really on James Winston now because a lot of people was like, oh, Dirk Cutter's not that good. Uh, we not too sure about James Winston neither. He showed these last few games of the year that he can do he can do something. But I really want to see if, like with Bruce Arians how James Winston is able to flourish under his tutelage. So we'll see what happens with James Winston. Also, another other hires, Cardinals hired Cliff Kingsbury as their head coach. You probably you guys probably already know this, but so what? Uh, I really don't I didn't like that hire by them. He didn't do anything in Texas Tech. He got fired by his alma mater. Come on now. And then he had Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. Didn't do much for him. They barely won any games. And I didn't like the fact that he was just hired at USC and he's just going to flat out leave those kids. Like, you just got hired like a week ago and your ass is leaving already. I understand it's the NFL, but USC is pretty damn good a job too. And I don't think he's going to get an opportunity to be back with USC. He should have stayed with USC, built up his resume, and the Cardinals are not even that good of a job. It's Arizona. I don't know. I don't think Arizona is that good of a job right now. I think it's was one of the bottom tier jobs that was available, but he's his own. The Packers, they hired Matt LaFleur. I don't know why they hired this man. He was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. And as you all know, Tennessee does not have the greatest offense on earth. And he, even with that, he joined the team this year and the offense got worse. So I don't know what the Packers saw in him. And people are also saying that he's not a great leader of men. And he wants to go lead Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is going to disrespect that man all day. But also he can't really do that because if he does that, it makes him look bad because he already got one coach fired in Mike McCarthy. He can't get two coaches fired. So he's going to be more invested in making this relationship work. But at the same time, I don't know if it's going to work for that team. But we will see. And we'll see what the Packers do this year as well. That's all for the coaches hiring so far in the NFL. Also, the Bears... Defensive coordinator got hired by the Broncos as well. I think that was a good move. I don't know like how they got rid of John Elway, did Vance Joseph out in Denver. It wasn't his fault this year. Case Keenum sucks. Like, let's get that out the way. Case Keenum's not that great of a quarterback. Both him and Kirk Cousins. I'm glad Kirk Cousins failed this year. I'm glad my Jets didn't give him that money. Ridiculous. I knew Kirk Cousins is the most... Ugh, he is a choke artist. That's, let's put it that way. I don't know if you guys ever noticed it, but Russell Wilson, every big game that he's ever been on, on a big stage, primetime game, he always shows up. You know who doesn't? Every single time, Kirk Cousins. Every big time, if it's on Monday night, if it's on Saturday night, if it's on Sunday night, whatever night, if it's a night game and it's like the only game on and Kirk Cousins is playing, you already know Kirk Cousins is going to do absolutely nothing. He's going to have a lot of yardage. 
because his team's going to be down and he's going to throw the ball a lot. And then he's going to make a touchdown in the final minutes to make it look better than it actually was. But if you watch the game, Kirk Cousins sucks. <laughs> oh, Lord. Another person that's been having a little drama is Antonio Brown. Lord have mercy. Him and Steelers are having a little tiff. As you guys already probably already know, Antonio Brown didn't play the final game of the season because he's Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown got into a fight with Ben Roethlisberger. He decided to set out the final game of the season. They settled because of injury, but we found out because him and Ben Roethlisberger got into a fight. So right now, the Steelers are looking to trade him. If I'm the Steelers, me personally, I think the issue is that Antonio Brown feels a little threatened by Juju Smith-Schuster. It's clear to me. I feel like every time Antonio Brown sees Juju Smith-Schuster, he says this. He, he says that all the time. I feel like this whole year, he's been saying that to him. How does it feel to be me? How does it feel to be me? Because Antonio Brown used to get the same amount of targets as him. Juju Smith-Schuster had 111 receptions this year. 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns. That sounds like an Antonio Brown year, except for the touchdowns. Antonio Brown didn't have that good of a season this year. Well, he did have a great season. It just wasn't as good as Juju Smith-Schuster's season with the catches and the yardage, mainly because he didn't play that final game. But still, he didn't have the same numbers as Juju Smith-Schuster. They're going to have to trade this man. Trade him or release him, because I don't think he'll bring them back. With the way he's been disrespecting Tomlin, Tomlin can't be having his man disrespect him like that and still stay on the team. Like, how do you expect to be a leader of men and this man keeps disrespecting you in front of these men? I would get rid of him. The one person that wants him on their team is me and also Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice wants him on the 49ers and I also want him on the Jets. I wouldn't mind if the Jets, we have a bunch of money to spend. I know the Colts do too. If the Colts added Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell, they'll be in a great position. But my Jets, if they added Antonio Brown or and or Le'Veon Bell to go along with Robbie Anderson, that tight end Chris Herndon, even though he just got arrested for a DUI. Oh, my goodness. I don't understand players these days. But, yeah, if the Jets added Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown with Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson, and Quincy Anua, like I think the Jets will have a great offense. And... If we do hire Adam Gates, if he's some type of offensive genius, he should be able to work with those pieces. If you get those pieces, they can make any offense look good. So I'm hoping that that's what happens for my Jets. Oh, that's enough about the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Let's get into the teams that actually matter and actually did something this year. Let's get to the first round of the playoffs, the wild card weekend. The first game was the Houston Texans versus the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts won that game 21-7. to I thought the Colts played a great game. The defense was able to hold down Deshaun Watson. And that offense, I thought that in the end, Watson was going to pull it out. But he just doesn't have enough help on the receiving end of the ball. And also, his line is terrible. And he needs to stop running the ball as much as he does. Because you're starting to see that the hits were starting to affect his throwing because he wasn't able to be accurate with the ball. He was missing low. I think it's because he just got hit the, the previous play. It was hard to get. Physically, imagine being hit and then having to throw the ball 20 yards down the field. It can take a toll on your body. You're not going to always be accurate. So if he's doing less of that running and more throwing, the Texans had to get a better offensive line around him. Basically, that's at the end of the day. And also, another thing I noticed about the Texans, where is J.J. Watt and Genevieve Clowney? Really clowning more. Where are they? They didn't really make a, a impact play to turn the game around for the Texans. And that defense is only getting older. He's only getting older. If Genevieve Clowney doesn't step up and play like a first overall pick like he was, they're going to have problems in the near future. And Deshaun Watson have a lot more on his shoulders. They're going to have better offense line and Clowney needs to start showing up. 
I'm starting to think that he's a bust, kind of in my opinion. Because if you look at him and then you look at Khalil Mack, the person that was taking the third overall pick in that draft, like you gotta be you gotta be a little worried. Because you can have Khalil Mack and JJ Watt on the same team. And Khalil Mack, you need to double team Khalil Mack and you need to double team JJ Watt. You don't really need to double team Javon Clowney. He's not having that impact like everyone thought he would in the NFL. And that's why I give Jamel Hill her credit because she was one of the only people I was hearing say, yo, I would take this kid out of Buffalo and Khalil Mack. I'm worried about Jaron Clowney and I'm worried about Deshaun Watson. If they keep making him run or not making him run, but he needing to feel like he needs to run because that offense line is not giving the protection he needs and his receivers aren't getting open. DeAndre Hopkins was covered all day with that by that guy Desir, and I'm surprised because I think DeAndre Hopkins was hurt. But they need some other weapons. Demarius Thomas was out with an injury. Will Fuller was out with an injury. But Kiki Cutie, he showed up in the final quarter. But we need that all game for Deshaun Watson to be successful in the league. The next game that happened last week, last Saturday, was Chargers versus Ravens. Another running quarterback that needs to stop running the ball so much. The Ravens, I was happy that John Harbaugh left Lamar Jackson in because it showed me that he actually believes in him. And he don't believe in Joe Flacco. And I did not like seeing Joe Flacco pick up his helmet in the beginning of the fourth quarter and put it on like he was going in. But I was glad that after he did that, Lamar Jackson went out there during that fourth quarter. He went 10 for 18, 156 yards, and threw two touchdowns before that final drive. But it was a strip fumble against him. So I'm glad that Lamar Jackson stepped up. Even though he's having a bad game, the fans were booing him insane. They was asking for Joe Flacco to be put in the game. John Harbaugh took with him, and Lamar Jackson stepped up, and he actually made some big plays in that game. But he had a couple big throws. That one throw into the end zone to the tight end it was his great defense, and the defender was able to bat it down. If the defender didn't get his hand in there, that was an easy touchdown, and it was a great throw by Lamar Jackson. He had a great throw, great improvising throw. He threw it across his body, down the field, right into the bread basket to the running back. And if that running back, I think his name is Ditson, if he would have been even – semi-fast, he would have made it touchdown. So I was happy seeing Deshaun Watson, not Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson play well in that final quarter. And I think it really showed like, hey, if you keep putting the ball in his hands and let him actually get a rhythm throwing the ball, he can do some damage. So that's why it baffles me why you make this man run the ball 17, 20 times a game instead of making him run the ball 17, 20 times a game, give him the ball more often, like consistently, like, hey, here's some here's three throws in a row. His two throws in a row, so get your rhythm. It showed me that in the big moment, he actually was able to buckle down and actually make some big throws. And that was just a great play at the end of the game with that guy stripping him while he was throwing the ball. So I was happy seeing that. And the Chargers, they played great defense. They were able to stop all that running that um, Lamar Jackson was doing because they put more cornerbacks in or more DBs in, so they were able to stay fast. But those DBs were able to tackle, so I commend them for that. It looked like they were going to give it up like they usually do, but... They stuck it out, and they pulled it out. Another game from this um, last week's Wild Card Weekend was the C- – it came on Sunday. It was the Seahawks versus Cowboys. That was a, that was a good game to watch. Uh, the Cowboys won that game 24-22. to Cowboys defense definitely showed up. They were able to stop the run. The Cowboys defense has been good all year against the run. Z balled out himself. He had 26 carries for 137 yards, also one touchdown. And he also had four catches coming out the backfield for 32 yards. And Amari Cooper showed up, too, with seven catches and 106 yards. Dak, I'm starting to see, like, Dak is a great leader. And he's also one of those players, like Tim Tebow, he just makes plays in in the game. If the game is close, he's going to make a play 
to help his team win the game. And that's why I saw him. He's a little better than Tebow because he could throw the ball, obviously. And he's able to do more with his legs. That run he had where he somersaulted over the, almost over the goal line, that was a great run. It's a, it's a clutch play. And it's a play that makes you like, yo, I really want to play for this man. Like, that's a play that makes people actually want to go go out there and play with him and play for that guy. And especially like, that being your quarterback, it's great to see. I just wouldn't pay him $30 million like Dallas is going to have to. I would not pay that. Th- He's not worth $30 million. He's not one of those quarterbacks that's going to average 300 yards passing. He's just one of those quarterbacks that's going to do whatever it takes to win. And that's always good to have if you have the only team. And if you just have one good receiver in Amari Cooper that's always open, you're going to be fine. The Seahawks, the Seahawks is just not that year yet. Next year is going to be good. I still love Russell Wilson, though. He's not my favorite quarterback. I think he's bland. He gets the job done, and he always makes plays. That's one guy he always makes plays. The way Russell Wilson plays, I wish that's how Cam Newton played. Because if Cam Newton played the way Russell Wilson did and was as accurate as Russell Wilson is, Cam Newton would be an amazing quarterback. He would be a top five quarterback, and he'll be MVP candidate every year. Because Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He just doesn't get enough shine, in my opinion. Maybe because he's not tall. He's like the black Drew Brees. Like, he doesn't get the, all the shine and all the accolades. But every year, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. At least top five, top ten quarterbacks in the league every single year. So, I respect Russell Wilson. Next year, you add a couple more pieces around him on the offense and a little more on the defense. I think that team is going to be hell for the future coming. Especially if you have Russell Wilson. And the final game was the Bears versus the Eagles. Lord, hell, Lord, Lord. That man, Nick Foles, is one lucky son of a gun, yo. One lucky man. I don't see how he keeps winning. I, To be honest, I really think that the Eagles should, should adopt this philosophy. The first 13 games, let Carson Wentz play. The final three plus the playoffs, if they're able to make it to the playoffs, yo, let Nick Foles play and let him win your title. Because if he wins this weekend against the Saints, Lord have mercy. This man, how do you not let him start? I know, because you let him start this year, and he was terrible. But I'm telling you, Carson Wentz could be your start of 13 games and have Nick Foles finish out the rest of the season. Nick Foles, I don't know how he won that game. It's ridiculous. That throw he made to Golden Tate, it was like a basically a sidearm, was beautiful. I thought, when I saw that throw, I was like, <laughs> that's the first thing I said. Oh, Lord. I was like, good Lord. Every time I look at Nick at Fo- Nick, I said Nick at Foles. But every time I look at Nick Foles, I always think to myself, Look at God. Like, like, I feel like that. And his book was basically about, like, oh, his destiny was to win that title. It's crazy, man. Nick Foles, if I was him, I wouldn't even think about leaving the Eagles because he hasn't made there. He doesn't have to do much. He's a backup quarterback. He comes in at the end of the year well-rested, and he's able to really flourish against these non-well-rested people. <laughs> but he makes plays, and I respect Nick Foles. He always, like, he may not be the greatest player, but he, he shows up in the biggest moments. And the Bears, like, they should have won that game, man. Like, that offense, they could have scored a little more points, but the Bears' defense, like, you got to stop Nick Foles in that final drive. You can't let him drive down that field and make that touchdown. Like, if you guys are a great defense, Khalil Mack and the rest of them boys, Rokon Smith, I know for the future, in the future years, they're going to be beast. But they have to stop that play. They have to stop that the Eagles on that drive. <sighs> Let's look forward to the divisional round. In the divisional round, we're going to have on Saturday night, we're going to have the Colts versus the Chiefs. I think, personally, I don't know who's going to win that game. I think if the Colts' defense is able to hold the Chiefs under 21 points, the Colts are going to win. But if they score over 21, the Chiefs will win. And with that being said, I think the Chiefs are going to win. 
38 to 35. I think it's going to be a shootout. The Chiefs don't have no damn defense. And that's it. It's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a shootout. But the Colts defense can show up and actually hold Pat Mahomes down for a little bit. It's like 21 points. It will give the Colts an opportunity to outscore them. That's the only way. You're going to have to outscore them. And I don't think they're going to outscore them playing the Chiefs game where they play no defense and you just keep letting them throw the ball down the field. If they could run the ball and keep the Chiefs off the field, that would be a great asset to them. But I don't know if their running game is that strong yet for the Colts. So their defense is going to have to show up and keep and hold the Chiefs offense down. But I don't see that happening. So I'd take the Chiefs 38 to 35, like I said. The other game on Saturday is the Cowboys versus Rams. I want the Rams all the way, even though <sighs> Todd Gurley, your behind, got hurt and you ruined my fantasy. I was winning my fantasy league. I, you know how mad I am about fantasy? I was destroying my fantasy league. Then one of the weeks, I lost by one point because of some bull crap. One of them, some guy I put in didn't, didn't score a point, and I lost by a point. Annoying. So I, I finished the year 10-3. I head into the playoffs. The game before the playoffs, I scored 163 points. Todd Gurley balled out. Cam Newton balled out. Every one of my team balled out. And then the first week of the playoffs, every single one of my players gets hurt. Todd Gurley gets hurt. Cam Newton gets hurt. Phillip Lindsay gets hurt. Keenan Allen gets hurt. Every one of my big players on my team gets hurt. Andy Dalton gets hurt, So which hurts one of my receivers, Tyler Boyd, that's on my team. Everyone got hurt, and that ruined my whole fantasy league. Anyway, I digress. Rams versus Cowboys. Todd Gurley, you better not let me down with this pick. I'm looking at you because you're the key to this game. You and Zeke Elliott are the keys to the game because both defenses, Cowboys defense is one of the top teams against the run, and the Rams are one of the worst teams against the run. And the Rams don't step up and stop the run game this week. They're going to lose to the, the Cowboys. And that defense, if they're able to stop Todd Gurley and the Rams running game, it's going to be a long day. Because what I can see already, Dallas is going to keep running the ball so they can keep that Rams offense off the field. The Rams, Aaron Donald, and Dominican Sue, where have you been? Dominican Sue and Jadavion Clowney is an APB out wondering where you guys have been. I have not. No, actually, I know what. I know what the problem is. I don't think you're applying yourself, Smokey. I don't think you're applying yourself, Dominican Sue. I don't think that whole Rams defense is applying themselves. They haven't been applying themselves all year. I want to see a shutdown performance. When I first heard that Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue are key to leave, LaMarcus Joyner, oh, all these people on that defensive side of the ball. And then you have Wade Phillips. Wade, you can't have my name and be sucking right now. Wade Phillips, you're one of the best defensive coordinators. You need to step up and actually make sure this defense plays on Sunday because I do not want to see these Cowboys win. I don't want to hear Skip Bayless always chanting about how good Cowboys are. They're not that good. I need the Rams to step up. The Rams should win this game. I think they're going to win 28-14. I think it's going to be a two-touchdown game. Especially since the Rams are home, they should win that game by two touchdowns. On Sunday, you got the other divisional playoff games, Chargers versus Patriots. The Patriots are not that good of a team. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but Gronkowski is not the same Gronkowski. He hasn't been the same in years. Years. Gronkowski looks terrible this year. The whole Patriots office just doesn't look good. When they had Flash, Flash, whatever his name is, Flash Gordon, whatever his name is, I'm mad at him because I thought he was going to be the next Randy Moss for Tom Brady, and he just wasn't. I pray for him because he has a lot going on in his life, but he wasn't what I thought he would be for the Patriots. Gene Elliman wasn't all that great. James White is going to have to play have a big game. 
I don't know how the Patriots win because they have literally no one on that team. If Tom Brady is amazing, he play, He just has that will, like, I'm going to win this game and I'm going to get to my next Super Bowl. That's the only way I can see them winning. Anything other than that, I don't see it happening for them. And that's it. I think the Patriots are going to lose that game. I think the Chargers will win. Their defense should be able to stop them with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. I think the Patriots lose that game, and I hope they do because <laughs> I'm a Jets fan. And then the final game of the wildcard weekend is the Eagles versus Saints. Wow. Eagles versus the Saints. I think the Saints, I'm a little fearful. I think the Eagles might win this game. I'm going to pick the Eagles because the Saints really don't have anything on offense. The Eagles defense is playing way better. That defensive line has been playing way better with Michael Bennett, Fletcher Cox. All those guys on the Eagles defensive line have been playing way better of recently. Then you also got the running game with the Saints is going to be important. If they can run the ball against the Eagles, they will win the game because their throwing game is not that impressive. They have Benjamin Watson, Taquan Smith. And then you have their one good guy, uh, Michael Thomas. That's the only one that's really good that's on that team. But if Alvin Kamara and Melvin Ingram can dominate, the Saints will win. If they don't, I think the Eagles can win the game because Nick Foles with Alshon Jeffrey, Golden Tate, you got Nelson Aguilar, you got Brent Selleck, you got Dallas Galbert. They got offensive weapons on that team. And then you also have Darren Sproles coming out the backfield, and you have that guy Josh Adams coming out the backfield as well. Like, there's a lot of pieces on that Eagles offense. And the more games that Nick Foles plays, he keeps getting that confidence and getting that swagger that he had last year, that underdog mentality. It's the better the Eagles play, man. When this man's on the field, they don't seem to ever lose with Nick Foles. So, we'll see. I think the Eagles, I think the Chargers, I think the Rams, and I think the Chiefs will win their games this week. And the Super Bowl, I picked Chargers-Rams in the Super Bowl. I think the Chargers and the Rams are going to make it to the Super Bowl this year. And I think the Rams will win in the Super Bowl. But that's my prediction. Speaking of the Super Bowl, let's go to the college football version of the Super Bowl. Clemson faced Alabama on Monday. That was a complete drubbing. And I think I know what the problem was. I really know what the problem was. And I just, I was surprised because I was just like, wow, they really couldn't do anything, Alabama? You couldn't do anything? But I know Nick Saban, this was the problem. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. He just was not ready for that ass whooping that was about to ensue. Everyone thought Alabama just went up 16-14. This is when they're going to take over the game. Nope. Clemson just said, oh, okay. Okay. And they destroyed them for the rest of the game. 30 unanswered points is ridiculous. 30? Let me say it again. 30 unanswered points. Damn! Yes, Craig and Day Day, damn. That's the same thing I said. 30 unanswered points. Were they really not ready for this game? Like, did they not know what was going to happen? You didn't think the last time y'all faced them and Tua came in and destroyed Clemson's defense, they going to take that personally? Yo, Tua did absolutely nothing. Seeing him sit on the bench with that disappointed look on his face because he knew he just lost that game was hilarious, though. I'm kind of happy Alabama won because I'm sick of them always winning. And people made the point that Alabama is working like a football factory and Clemson is working like a family. Because the fact that they had the same defensive quarters all these years, we've only lost two assistants since Dabble's been there. And it's been fifth different pairing of offensive coordinator for Alabama and defensive coordinator, the fifth different pairing for those guys. Like, that's ridiculous. You need more consistency. That's probably why Alabama is struggling. But they need to get it together. Because I'm telling you right now, Clemson is not going anywhere. Clemson's offense reminds me of the Steelers. They have the quarterback. Trevor Lawrence reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger. 
Justin Ross, wide receiver, is a beast. He reminds me of Antonio Brown. Travis Etienne, he's a great running back. Then you have T. Higgins. That could be Juju Smith. Another one, the running back could be Le'Veon Bell. They have a good quartet of offensive weapons, and it's going to only get better because with more recruits that come in, and you got Trevor Lawrence for another three, four years? Come on, man. Another two years. That's a lot. That's a lot to deal with. I don't know what Nick Samuel is going to do because everyone really looks at the SEC as like this powerhouse conference that just dominates everybody. That was an ACC team that went up against the Alabama Crimson Tide and it looked like they dominated them. Dominated them. Like, I don't know if you guys ever seen the movie Five Heartbeats, but it reminded me, that ass whooping that Alabama took reminded me of this part. <laughs> now, if you have any other problems with your royalties and my books, my office hours are from. My office hours are from. See, that was Alabama saying nine to five because they got their behinds whooped. Clemson reminded Alabama when their office hours are. And I don't know. Alabama, I don't know what you're going to do. This is an ACC team that dominated Alabama. Do you guys realize that Jalen Hurts went into the game? It was in the fourth quarter. I don't remember what time it was left. But when he left, it was only nine minutes left. Alabama never touched the ball again. Never touched the ball again. That's how dominant that offense of line was. Running the ball, throwing it. And defensively, they dominated Alabama defensively. Defensively, Alabama got dominated. Offensively, they got dominated. 30 points unanswered. I was surprised. But... Let's get into some other topics outside of the sports world. Let's talk about Wendy Williams. She's having a lot of drama recently with her husband. A lot of things going on. I don't really like talking about people's business. But, you know, Wendy Williams talks about a lot of people's business. And my real beef for Wendy Williams, I really wish she would just talk about her own issues with her in her own personal life on her show instead of, like, always talking about other people's business. Because she never talks about her own. You can't be always in other people's business, talking about their personal lives and their relationships, and never want to go into your personal life, have conversations about that. That's all I have to say. I pray for Wendy because I know she's going through a lot of stuff with her health, and she has a fractured shoulder, and she has a lot of things going on, probably personally with her marriage. But I just want her to talk about her relationship more on her TV show, because it makes it maybe more real and authentic if you're able to be transparent when you're always looking at other people's lives. But let's move on. Another thing I want to talk about, for the first time ever, guys, I saw a female use Facetune in person. Like, I was on the airplane going down to Atlanta, and I saw a girl using the Facetune app. And you know what it made me think? I was like, oh, my goodness. Ladies, you don't have to do this to yourself. For me, you can just look your normal self, and it'll be well appreciated. I don't need to see you Facetune yourself and make me think you look one way, but you really look another. I don't really need to see that. Because this girl, she like, she looked fine. She had marks on her face from like acne marks and stuff like that. And the, the, the thing she did with Facetune made her face look, look glowing and stuff like that. You could see the sunlight beaming off her face. You could see that glow. She had that glow. But at the same time, I'm just like, damn, what she did wasn't that bad. But other females use this. And imagine all the things that they could use with this Facetune. And the first time I heard about it was on Joe Budden's podcast, but I really didn't pay attention to it because I didn't, I never seen it in person before. But seeing a person has made me think like, wow, what girls would like really do to make themselves look better, look better for guys on Instagram or just people on Instagram? Like who cares what people on Instagram think about you? Who cares? 
Like, I don't care if you don't have a big butt or anything like that, or if you, your hair's not, like, laid, your edges aren't laid. Who cares? Who cares? I don't want you with all that fake hair. If I can tell it's fake hair, you're not, your hair's not looking good. Let's just put it that way. Oh, I don't want to go into my, my diatribe about women in there, this fake old stuff. But I like natural. More people should like natural. All that fake stuff that we see on Instagram is just not right. Because when, when you see them in person, you're going to be like, what the hell is this? I'd rather see you in your natural beauty so I know that, yo, this is who I'm fucking with. And not this person that you just, that's just made up for, for the Instagram or using Facetune to redo your face. I'm like, oh, your face didn't look like that on the, in these pictures. Like, imagine when that happens. Well, your hair didn't look like that. Oh, when you see them in person, I, I get really turned off when I see, when I could like really tell that a girl's hair is not hers. I really get, like, it really bothers me. Like, you, like, if you're gonna wear fake hair, at least have the decency to make me believe that it's your hair, you know? And that laying your edges with that, with the toothbrush, come on now. Stop it. Stop it. Or I'm going, I'm going too deep. <sighs> That's with subjects. I don't wanna go for something joking around to then, to this man, this nasty old man. This nasty, 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 nasty. I can't even say enough how nasty this man is. R. Kelly. I watched the, the Surviving R. Kelly documentary. And one of my biggest takeaways from it was just like, y'all helped him. A lot of people just helped him. People in the music industry helped him. Y'all let this man mess with these little girls. How you work with the man, you see him have a bed in the studio. Him having a bed in the studio may not be weird. Cool. But him having rooms with this, you open the door and you see a teenage girl with a bucket having to pee in it. You didn't think anything was wrong with that. You really, you literally walked into rooms, saw little girls in the studio and said, hey, oh, that's fine. Little girls locked in the studio and you made a, you made a recording with this man. How, how can you do that? And you hear people in another room being locked in the room, having to knock on a door to be, to be fed. Like, oh, knock his wife knocking on the door so asking begging to be fed to eat was ridiculous <sighs> i really don't get it his tour manager head of security they're sick old men too because first off the tour manager he helped r kelly get married to Aaliyah illegally what he helped forge the documents so you knew about it and then the tour guy, the, the tour manager, and the security guy said, oh, yeah, I have been I saw a bunch of tapes with R. Kelly. He used to show them around to people. So in all those tapes, you never seen that those little girls look young, and you never thought, hey, these girls are young. I should go tell the police. And only reason why y'all didn't, y'all saying something now is because R. Kelly hasn't had a hit in years. He hasn't had a hit in years. That's the only reason why anyone's speaking up right now. Because if R. Kelly was still cranking out hits, all of you have been quiet because you all know, oh, I'm going to make some money off of him. And R. Kelly, you a fucked up person for blaming your own brother for being on that sets tape. And I don't get how people that were born, that were living through that time and that can remember it, can still be like, oh, I love R. Kelly. Oh, step in the name of love. How can you step in the name of love and you see that video of that man pee on that little girl? How can you step in the name of love? How can you believe you can fly listen to that man when he peed on that little girl and you see it on tape? And for that man to blame his own brother, his own brother. Now I understand why his brother's teeth look like that because he wasn't getting no money from R. Kelly because he didn't take the fall for his brother sleeping with a little girl. That's ridiculous. And his older brother, R. Kelly's older brother, saying that, oh, we all have preferences. We all have preferences. Some of us like them young. Some of us like them old. I like them old. My brother likes them young. Who cares? Like, what? 
What? What? All these people in the Zach Brady, half of them pissed me off because I'm like, yo, you all could have done something, but you didn't because you liked the money. Let's be real. You liked the money. You thought he was, you thought he was talented. He's a musical genius. Who cares? Let, guess what? And everyone who wants to still listen to his music, let me leave you with this about R. Kelly. His music, those little girls, those were his muse. I don't know if you know what a muse is. His muse, muse is basically inspiration. Guess what? All those songs, bump and grind, ignition. That song, You Are Not Alone, they're all stories about him and his encounters with his little girls that he's, he was messing with. So if you want to listen to his music and sing along to it and dance and smile and get married to it, think about that next time. Think about that. That you're listening to music where th- that was inspired by his sexual encounters with little girls. Remember that. It's ridiculous how people still support this man. Still support him. That I'm listening to Joe Budden podcast and he points out Rico loves say, "Oh, you're not gonna tell me that 12 Play and Chocolate Factory are one of the best albums ever made." Who the hell cares that are good albums? They probably are good albums. I ain't listen to any of them. But the fact that they are inspired by his encounters with little girls should make you say, "I'm not listening to them anymore." And the fact that it doesn't, it makes you say, "Oh, it makes you double down." How do you watch that series and make you double down on loving R. Kelly? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And another thing, that girl that was that met R. Kelly during his trial and still stayed around him because she believed that he was innocent and then actually ended up being part of his little sets cult, whatever they call it. She ended up being part of it and it never dawned on her. Oh, wow. Like, this is exactly what he was on trial for. Maybe I should call the cops. But no, you know what she did? She even admitted to it in the series that she went around basically recruiting other girls to go join them. Are you kidding me? Why would you recruit other people to go join this man? You would just you just supported him during a trial that said that he peed on a little girl. Then you had sets with him and you tell him that, hey, I'm only 16. And he says, I don't care. Don't tell nobody. Continue telling people that I'm that you're 19. And then he asks you to go get more little girls and you go ahead and do it. Were you not around for the trial? Are you kidding me right now? You, you just, you witnessed his trial. <sighs> I have nothing else to say. Nothing else to say. It's like this. People are going to be like this. Can't nobody sing like R. Kelly. Who cares? At some point, people need to say, who cares? And you got and you can't separate the man from the music. If you want to say, oh, we got to separate the man from the music. No, you can't. Because the music is about the man's sexual encounters with little girls. That's what it's about. Come on now. Someone has to step up and say something about this crap. If you want to still stand by him, have fun. From from one nasty man to another. Trump. Gonna keep my blood boiling for a little bit. Trump, Lord have mercy. He had a little presidential address basically condemning every single one of the immigrants that's coming in basically saying one of the stories he said that oh like i had to shake the hands of a family group man that their their wife was killed by an immigrant and was beaten in the head brutally with a hammer like basically still bashing these people and not all these people are like that you can't be making generalizations about people like that and thinking it's cool and you're the president of the united states it sickens me that this man represents my country and i had to listen to a presidential a presidential address given by donald trump do you understand how crazy that sounds that we have to be subjected to that a presidential address delivered by donald trump 
Can you imagine this man from The Apprentice 10 years ago? Think, think back 10 years ago. Would you be sitting here thinking like, damn, I'm going to look at TV and listen to Donald Trump give a presidential address. But that's where we had now. Because we had to listen to Donald Trump give presidential addresses about immigrants and calling them rapists, calling them brutally murders. We need a wall to, to, to distract us. Another thing, I heard that the White House is going to give us our taxes. They, they promised to give us our tax refunds. I, I really don't believe that. I don't. I'll believe it when I see it because I really feel like this government shutdown is to pay for that true trillion dollar deficit that Trump added to our um, national deficit. I think he he's using this goddamn shutdown to pay for that because you're not paying the governmental workers and during shutdowns, you're not supposed to get IRS tax refunds. So if he is going to give us a refund, thank you, Trump. I appreciate that, but I don't believe you're going to do it. So that's why I'm going to hold out judgment until that, till that day comes. But this man can't be doing what he does on TV, just basically bashing those people, saying that they're all this other stuff that's not true about them. You can't do that. But moving on from Trump, we're going to get into some happy news. I'm happy about it, so we're going to end on a happy note. We're going to talk about Revenge of the Dreamers album, which I can't be more excited about. J. Cole's Dreamville Records, they basically posted like a summit for all Dreamville artists to go down to Atlanta so they could record. They also invited T.I., they invited Big Crit, they invited Buddy, they invited Reason. The whole Dreamville roster's down there. They invited some producers to come down and produce some records for them. And the one snippet I heard with J.I.D. on it, crazy. I can't wait for this Revenge of the Dreamers album. They're recording now from January 6th to the 16th, and it's going to come out soon after that. So I can't wait for that Revenge of the Dreamers album, and I can't wait to see what Dreamville's going to do. I actually want to see like a Dreamville and TDE compilation album. I'm glad to see Reasons there, so you know that that connection's still strong, and that I'm still waiting for J. Cole with Kendrick Lamar. So everyone should keep an eye out for those two things. And this Dreamville... Revenge of the Dreamers album is going to be dope. So you guys should all keep an eye out for that. And J. Cole's been killing every fucking thing. Remember that. J. Cole's one of the best rappers alive. Let's put that out there. And I like how J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar actually repped their crew. Because some people, I won't name Aubrey, Drake Graham. He don't do shit for his crew. Can anyone tell me anyone a part of Drake's crew? Anyone? I don't know anyone a part of Drake's crew. And he never stands by them. I haven't seen Party Nest Party Nest Door writes records for other people. Everyone in this crew does other things for other people. The weekend left them. Everyone leaves them. Like, I don't see Drake doing anything for anyone on his crew. But I digress. Let's just keep an eye out for the Revenge of the Dreamers album. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. It feels good to be back. Thank you. Um, if you guys want to hit me up and talk about any of these topics, my Instagram is superjunior underscore 93. So hit me up on there. Thank you guys for listening this week. And just to let you guys know. Hey, y'all. Yeah. <laughs>